Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about the role that the media played in the presidential campaign this year, 2016. Of course, we are starting to get into the postmortems with this election, and one of the first is being performed on the press itself. Did the press do its job? covering Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein and Gary Johnson? Or were there things we should have seen that we didn't see? Was there coverage that we should have been privy to that we did not get? We're going to talk with uh, Lee Wilkins, who is the professor and chair of Department of Communications here at Wayne State University, and Jeff Cohen, who is a media critic and a professor at Ithaca College uh, a little later in the show. And of course, we're going to want to hear from you about that. What did you think of the coverage that we saw this year? This is the first year for me that I feel like social media played an outsized role, uh, maybe a bigger role even than traditional media had in terms of uh, covering the presidential election. Is that one of the dynamics that made it different? Is that one of the things that weighs into whether the job was done properly or the job was done uh, inadequately? So again, you're going to want to stay tuned and call in for that segment. But up front, last week's election didn't just decide who will lead the country in the coming years. It also solidified Republican control over every branch of our state government here in Michigan. In the wake of the Flint water crisis, Democrats in the Michigan House thought they had an opening to take back control of the chamber. But those hopes were dashed with the Trump wave that swept down ballot races in the state. Democrats ended up gaining zero seats in the state house. And minority leader Tim Grimal announced he's not going to run again to lead the caucus. Republicans selected Representative Tom Leonard of DeWitt Township. He will be the next House Speaker. He will replace term-limited Speaker Kevin Cotter. And then the House Democrats have chosen Representative Sam Singh to lead them. And Sam Singh joins me now from Lansing uh, to talk about uh, his new role. Sam, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, uh, uh-huh. thank you for having me on the show. Uh, how are you, Sam? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, uh, congratulations on uh, the vote of confidence of your caucus there in Lansing, the Democratic caucus, uh, to, to be the minority leader in the House. Um, let's talk about what happened on November 8th and how different it was from what we expected, I guess, or, or, or what a lot of people expected. Uh, going into Going into last Tuesday, there was not a question in my mind anymore about who was going to retain control of the House. I think uh, uh, lots of people had had, had sort of seen that, that it was going to be impossible for the Democrats to take control from the Republicans. But gaining no seats was certainly a surprise uh, to me and lots of other people. Uh, how did that fall on, uh, on you? Well, yeah, we definitely were surprised by the results on Tuesday when we took a look at the polling about 12 days out. Uh, every day, as we were getting polling back, um, these were now from independent sources, not our own polling. Uh, we saw that everything was uh, tightening up, and uh, I think we were surprised at the uh, end result on Tuesday when we definitely saw a, a number of Democrats not coming out to vote, uh, not only in key demographic areas like Detroit and Flint and Lansing, but also in our marginal seats where we wanted to pick them up. We always knew it was going to be a difficult task, uh, obviously, 
uh, the Republicans uh, gerrymandered a number of those seats. And the seats that we had to pick up, we had to do that by taking on <clears throat> already a built-in disadvantage that they built in for themselves. So they were already up a point or two based on the way they drew the lines uh, back in 2011. And so uh, we knew we had a difficult time to, to overcome that, but uh, we definitely felt uh, going into September and early October that we uh, had the right message and so forth. But as you can tell, the last uh, two weeks of the campaign, not only on a national level, but in other states all across the country, uh, we saw this wave and tsunami that uh, occurred. And uh, definitely that was one of the reasons why we had the impact that we did uh, and unfortunately not picking up any additional seats. Yeah. So that leaves us in the same situation uh, that we had before, where uh, a Republican majority uh, is in place, uh, Democrats are going to be a minority party at least for the next the next two years. Uh, talk about what role Democrats can and want to play in governing the state, and whether you think uh, there are effective ways to get the Democratic message out uh, when when there are when there are no majorities. I mean, it's not just. Uh, uh, it's not just the House, of course. The the Senate is also a majority Republican. How do you how do you as Democrats sort of play an active role, I guess, in governing uh, and in messaging some alternative to what the Republicans want to do? Well, I would say a few things. You know, we have been successful in some areas, uh, working with uh, the majority on some of the areas that we. Uh, feel have value. Uh, you know, we were able to expand the Medicaid expansion. We were able to increase the minimum wage. Uh, right now, we're having dialogue around the energy policy for the state of Michigan. So there are times where we can, as Democrats, work across the aisle with um, uh, the governor and the uh, Senate Republicans and the House Republicans to, to try to get um, maybe bad policy turned into a little better policy. But oftentimes what we will be is the loyal opposition, where we actually will show the contrast of what we would be, uh, what we would actually uh, support as Democrats versus what's being proposed uh, by Republicans. Obviously, the biggest issue going into lame duck, in my opinion, is energy policy. Uh, but we've been getting to hear that immediately the uh, Republicans want to walk in and begin to take a look at pension uh, reductions uh, for uh, our citizens. And, you know, that seems to be counterintuitive to, you know, what this election was about, about trying to make sure that we have good jobs, good paying jobs for uh, Michiganders and the people in our country. And one of the first things they want to do is be able to cut benefits uh, to hardworking people. And they're also taking a look at potential changes to retiree benefits and right. so forth. The contract that we made with these people as they did their work for us, uh, they want to now change that. And so we'll see what happens over the last uh, three weeks of lame duck. But uh, I think, unfortunately, one of the key priorities for them is not to necessarily create better jobs. It's actually to take people who have good jobs or are retirees and make it more difficult for them. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on uh, 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Representative Sam Singh. He is the new Democratic State House Minority Leader. We're talking about last week's election results and sort of casting forward to January when the new legislature sort of takes its seats and, and starts governing the state. What, what can we expect out of Democrats who will not have control of either house in Lansing uh, for the last two years of Governor Rick Snyder's uh, term in, in the governor's mansion? Uh, if you want to Chime in on this conversation. Uh, ask Sam Singh a question. Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put a comment there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. 
Sam, one of the things that that uh, I thought would have some effect to benefit Democrats, or and I think Democrats thought this too, was the preservation of straight ticket voting, which, of course, uh, the the legislature voted to get rid of of straight party voting, and then the courts said that they couldn't do that because it had uh, an inordinate effect on minority voters in places like Detroit. I thought that would uh, that would help Democrats in some key districts. It seems, though, that it maybe helped Republicans a little more. There was a lot of GOP straight ticket voting that, that took place. Yeah, we do hear, you know, anecdotally that people who weren't comfortable uh, actually filling in the, the bubble for uh, Donald Trump, you know, went to their maybe straight ticket uh, Republican side of things. But I do think, you know, obviously uh, we felt that the straight ticket voting is something that historically has been supported here in the state of Michigan. The voters have voted in on it twice. Again, Republicans uh, tried to rig the election uh, by trying to remove that. And, um, you know, we were pleased to see it was successful. I think in maybe one or two House races it might have helped them. Uh, but I do think that the tsunami that happened uh, with the Trump wave was going to be something we were going to have a very difficult time dealing with. You know, we did win some uh, educational university seats, um, and I think that straight ticket voting helped those individuals. But I think overall, uh, you know, we are obviously disappointed by the results on on Tuesday. And as we go forward, we're going to start focusing on what we can do as Democrats. The governor right now has a education uh, report on his desk that shows that across the board we are underfunding K through 12 education uh, not only in sure. key demographic areas in large cities but it's in rural areas it's in uh, suburban areas and so forth and it showed that the last 6 years has been a failure uh, by the Republican legislature to actually fund uh, K through 12 ed- education and so we are going to make that a, a key part of the budget conversation uh, coming forward uh, obviously, the first thing we really do in a new year, uh, in a new session, is the governor presents a budget. And so that will be a priority of ours. We have to focus on education. We have to f- find the resources that are necessary. He's found resources to give uh, tax cuts to uh, large corporations, but he has you know, held back the resources that would have actually made our classrooms at a smaller level, uh, made our young people more effective uh, in their learning. And that is something that is very clear by this report that he has on his desk. And we're going to hold him and the legislature accountable. Sam, do you, do you feel like uh, there's something that, that is disconnecting the state Democratic Party, just like the, the National Democratic Party, from the issues that voters here identify most, most with? I mean, it, it is one of the messages from the election that Democrats have to do better making clear what their agenda is and how it relates to the people of the state. I mean, you think about uh, the places where Democrats lost, where historically they've done better. Uh, if you think about the the, the the heavy voting in places like uh, Macomb County for Donald Trump and then, of course, all the way down the ballot. Is there something that the Democratic Party needs to do to sort of retune itself or retune its message to connect better with people in Michigan? I do think uh, as Democrats we have to really talk and message uh, about the issues 
Uh, because if you talk about the issues that we've been talking about for the last uh, two years in our last session about education funding, about trying to find jobs that are actually uh, good paying jobs uh, that are actually impacting all individuals, not just a small segment of people, you know, those issues do resonate. And I think we need to figure out a way to communicate that in a way that is actually reaching the people we want to reach. And I do think when I mean, you take a look at areas of Downriver, uh, Macomb County, even in the Upper Peninsula, where we've had, you know, some historical strong uh, base with Democrats. Uh, some of that message got lost. Uh, obviously, a lot of it got lost in the national uh, minutia. But I do think, as Democrats, we will be um, taking a look at what our message is, make sure that our message is localized, um, and make sure that those issues uh, that you know people care about the the economy, making sure that we've got good paying jobs for our, our middle class and those that are trying to get into the middle class. And then taking a look at how we make sure that education is funded, whether it's at K through 12 or higher education. Those are our key priorities. And I do think there's going to be uh, work done not only on the state level uh, by the state party, but also by the national party. And then as House Democrats, we'll be getting together as well with a number of those types of organizations to talk about how that message needs to be more clear as we move forward. Yeah, I mean, some of the things you were talking about in terms of the things that Governor Snyder has done and the way that they have benefited big business, for instance, and harmed uh, individual taxpayers or the money he took from education, uh, things that should resonate with the idea of a democratic pushback. I mean, there there are things that that Democrats have historically stood for, of course, that would uh, that would alter uh, offer an alternative to those kind of things. And and for some reason, it, it, it does not seem as though that connection is still intact with, with those voters. Yeah, and I think even in those areas where we were talking about those issues and when our candidates were talking about those issues, it got drowned out by the national conversation. And so we have to figure out if there's different ways that we have to look at social media and the way we communicate with people one-on-one about those core issues that we uh, care about, that we've been championing, that we've been working on. Uh, we will do that. And so I think we will take time. Uh, we will be thoughtful about uh, how we move uh, forward, but we are going to take a look at all issues uh, facing uh, the the state house of representatives, so that when we are back here at 2018, that we are looking at uh, picking up seats and getting towards that majority, and then we'll obviously have a conversation here in the state about the gubernatorial, uh, what has happened over the last uh, seven plus years at that point in time on this governor. You know, obviously this governor has low approval ratings based on things that people have begun to see. But I do think when they went to vote on uh, Tuesday, they were more talking about a national feeling versus a state feeling. And we have to cut through that. And obviously in 2018, when the focus will be only on state elections, uh, we hope that we can use that uh, venue and that time to actually get that message out in a more clear way. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to Jason in Dearborn. Jason, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thank you. Very, very important conversation we're having mm-hmm. this morning. I am a lifelong Democrat, uh, UAW household. Uh, my father was union. I'm union. It's an incredibly important pillar to our identity as you know, citizens and, and, and voters. And um, I would say I would never, ever in my life consider voting for a Republican. It's not something I did in this election. It's not something... I foresee myself ever doing. And um, so for me, the concern coming out of this election was faced, uh, is more focused on the Democrats. So I appreciate this conversation. I would just share that, um, although I wanted to see uh, Secretary Clinton as our president, 
I began to become very worried that um, the working class and um, economic issues were going to take a, take a back seat in this election, and I felt it was a catastrophe, it was a misstep. It's something that the Democratic Party and now the world, frankly, is going to be dealing with for a long time. I think working people traditionally have looked to the Democrats to be the counterweight on corporate influence. And I think feel as the Democrats have kind of cozied up to some of these corporate interests, uh, it, it has really left um, a vacuum that was filled by Trump, a vacuum that was filled historically by other demagogues. And it just, it really worries me. So I hope this is a, is a wake-up call, a very brutal wake-up call to Democrats nationally, locally, across the board, that if you ignore these economic issues and you just tell working-class people, hey, your jobs are gone and you have to get used to it, we're going to see more horrible results going forward. Yeah. No, Jason, Jason, thank you very much. Very, very insightful comments and something that I keep hearing from Democrats like you uh, in the wake of, of the election uh, last week. Um, Sam, how, how, do you answer, how do you answer someone like Jason as the new uh, minority leader in the House of Representatives? Well, I think that's part of what we are going to be focused on as we move into uh, our new session starting in January. You know, I know uh, we have a new group of freshmen that are joining our caucus, and some of the conversations we've already had is about how we focus on uh, the economy and how we make sure that people are seeing the uh, benefits uh, of the economy. Obviously, the economy is getting better um, on, a, on a national level, but people are not seeing that benefit uh, on the local level. And, you know, they're not seeing it from uh, the policies from this administration, and I think that's what, unfortunately, you're going to see nationally. You know, when you start taking a look at the first level of appointments that are being discussed and even the parts of the transition team by the president-elect, it's uh, filled with corporate uh, interest uh, groups that are now coming to the, the table. And, you know, they talk about draining the swamp, and then in reality what they're doing is putting their corporate self-interest uh, in the groups that they represent, you know, is now part of this new administration. And so we will focus on those economic issues. We will hold people accountable. You know, we are talking right now about a Michigan First uh, strategy, making sure that any of the resources that we're putting in whether their tax dollars need to be going to Michigan businesses, they need to be going to companies that are supporting uh, our workers, not uh, offshoring jobs. And we're going to obviously in this budget uh, process push that uh, issue because unfortunately what we've seen is times where the budget is moving forward that this governor has done RFPs that actually benefit uh, businesses from out of the state. Uh, re- uh, companies have won uh, tax credits uh, from this uh, uh, governors, MEDC, that are actually have outsourced uh, jobs in the past, and we need to really take a look at how we uh, look at all of these issues uh, going forward. But that was going to be a core part of the message, and that's what that freshman class coming into uh, the House of Representatives has really made clear as they've come in for their first week of orientation and so forth, is that that's the work that they want to do over the next two years, and I look forward to working with them and the rest of my colleagues to make that a priority. All right. Uh, Keith. Keith in St. Clair Shores. Hello. My question is, what are the Democrats doing to push for nonpartisan redistricting before the 2020 election? Great question, Keith. Uh, Another subject I hear lots about. Sam Singh, uh, there was some talk earlier this year about possibly uh, a a referendum that could have gotten on the ballot that might have asked people to vote for uh, a change to, to, to make our redistricting process nonpartisan. Is that something the Democratic Party is comfortable being involved with, or is that something we will see from more independent uh, groups? 
I think you're going to see that coming for more independent uh, organizations. Uh, I support the idea and the concept, but obviously uh, the legislature has the ability to put that on, and the Republicans have refused uh, to put that on. We've introduced uh, those types of measures, and the Republicans could have actually voted on those and put that on the ballot uh, themselves. So seeing that come from a legislative strategy is not going to be uh, a reality uh, as we go forward. And what we've seen in other uh, parts of the country is that um, nonpartisan redistricting is very popular. It's supported by Republicans, independents, and Democrats. And when they are put on the ballot, the people do vote for it. Because in the end, I do believe that the people don't want the politicians drawing their own lines. They want a nonpartisan group of people doing that. And so you've seen that in uh, states like Iowa, uh, that is, uh, you know, obviously a little bit more conservative. You've seen it even in, in liberal states. So wherever it's been uh, put forward, it is actually passed. And so there were a number of uh, organizations that we're looking at that, uh, nonpartisan uh, organizations, and my hope is that they'll continue to do that and actually put it on the ballot uh, for 2018, uh, because I do think the citizens are sick and tired of politicians drawing their own lines to their advantage. You know, we saw in a number of election cycles where uh, the citizens have voted for Democrats at a higher level, um, over 50% in an election cycle, and it's very hard for us to pick up seats because those have been redistricted and gerrymandered uh, the way they have been. And so uh, my sense is if the, the resources can be garnered by these uh, nonpartisan organizations to put something on the ballot, you'll see success here in Michigan because as other states have shown us, uh, the general public does not want politicians drawing uh, their own lines. Yeah. Okay. Sam Singh, new Democratic State House Minority Leader. Again, congratulations uh, on your new post. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, I should also note that we extended an invitation to uh, Speaker-elect uh, Tom Leonard to appear on the program, and uh, he declined. So uh, we're going to keep after him. We're going to try to get him in here before uh, January, and we'll continue this conversation. Thank you again, Sam. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about the media's role in the presidential campaign. Did the press do its job, or did we not hear enough about the candidates and the issues? Stay with us on Detroit Today. Today. 